Picture your life as a four-burner stovetop. One burner represents your family, one is your friends, the third your health, and the fourth, career. Now, if you have them all going at once, you're going to burn out. So in order to be successful, you need to turn one off. If you want to be super successful, they say turn off two. My name is Josh Earl, and by the end of this podcast, we'll see which ones are being left on and which ones are getting turned off. This is Four Burners. Hello and welcome to Four Burners. My name is Joshua and joining me today, very excited, AFL footballer, my favourite player in the league. Can you please welcome it's from the Urban Demons, it's Ben Brown everyone, yay. Hey Ben. <laughs> Hello Josh. How you doing? Going really well, thank you. Thanks for doing this. It's been a bit of a, uh, we, ha- we were going to do it last week. We were. And then, and yes. then uh, someone with two kids, myself, I understand when uh, people in the family get sick, everything, everyone's sick. And how is everyone now? Everyone's well. That's good. Everyone's well. We got through that. Cool. All right. So uh, we have met before. Mm. Uh, you probably don't remember meeting me though. This was like back in 2016. Uh, so you were still playing with North. I think, was that when uh, the first season without Drew Petrie, Daniel Wells and Brent Harvey? I reckon or was that it was, no, that was, uh, it was that sea at the end of that season. Okay. It must've been I started reckon. 2017 then. Yeah. Cause I came in pre-season and all like, I was hired as a comedian and all the jokes were just about how these guys have all left. And as a fan, I was like, I don't want to do these jokes. <laughs> I, feel, I feel really sad. But um, I got to talk to you. I got to talk to uh, uh, Majak and uh, someone else. I can't remember. But, yeah. Yes. I remember we talked about being from Tassie. Yes. Yeah, because I'm from Bernie and you're from Devonport and their rival, their rival oh, towns. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. So, yeah, great. Um, so how this works is we talk through your four personal burners. There's family, friends, health, career. Do you want to start with anyone in particular? Um, it probably feels right to start with family. Okay, great. All right. Family. How many in your family? Um, so I'm one of six boys. Yep. I'm the eldest of six boys. Um, are they all as big as you? (laughs) Not quite. Okay. Not quite. Um, I'd say probably all above average. Yep. So my, my wife, um, my wife says in, you know, discussing my brothers, like, um, even the smallest of my brothers is actually quite tall, yeah. but it's funny. Like James, who's probably the who's probably the shortest out of us. We always kind of think of him as like, oh, uh, you know, little shorty James. Yeah, but yeah, he'd be six foot. Six foot. <laughs> so it's what, you, you know, how tall are you? Six six. Uh, yeah, six six. six yeah, it's Michael Jordan's height. Did yes, you know that? yes, I did of know course, that actually. Because everyone who's six six would know. He, oh, yeah, everyone. He's the most famous, yeah. uh, uh, so, so you're the oldest in your family. Yeah. What's the role in your family then? Out of out of all of the six of them. Um, well, when I was growing up, uh, it was probably um, you know I I used to set up a lot of the games and like you know for outside playing like yeah I I would I would be the one setting up like the hundred lap bike race around the house great or finding ways to set up games that specifically it led to a, a personal win yeah. for me, a personal <laughs> victory. Um, so, yeah, I think I think I did probably beat up on my little brothers a little bit. Just what's, in what's, that the young, what's the difference in age between you and the youngest? Uh, 12 years. Okay. So, yeah, it's basically two a year. Yeah. So by the time the last one has your, like, 
because you're almost like when they're six or seven, you're you're moving out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that was for for my youngest brother Luke. Um, yeah, it was he was seven yeah. eight years old when I moved out of home. So it was interesting for me in that um, you know moving out of home when I was twenty and um, making the move to play um, at Werribee Footy Club in yep. the VFL because at that stage I wanted to give myself an opportunity to play at yep. the highest level and I thought, you know, moving out of Tassie was probably the best opportunity for me to do that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, all, all of my other brothers were at home for probably, you know, seven years after that. Yeah. So I did feel like there was a little bit of a disconnect between myself and my brothers and I, I would say that we're all on the introverted side of the spectrum. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it wasn't like we were messaging each other every day. So not, yeah. not sort of living at home with them. Yeah. Um, yeah, it did feel like there was a little bit of a disconnect there for a but bit. Are you close now though? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I would describe it as um, we've never been not close. Yeah. I think in the way that, you know, as I said, we're all introverted. Um which means that we've never really clashed on much. Yeah. You know, like we, we we sort of all like our own space to an extent and, you know, you had bickering growing up. But I remember again, Hester, my wife, said the, f- the first time she went to Tassie to go and meet my family. Yeah. Um, and she'd grown up with one sister. So she was like, what am I going to walk into? Yeah. I'm going to walk into a war zone. Yeah. And she said she walked in and it was just like quiet in the house, all the boys like – you know, gave her a high and yep. then like went back to their rooms. Like it was, and that was kind of what it was like growing up a little bit. Like you know, heaps of people, heaps of people to play with. Like yep. I, you know, once I was done with one brother, there was always another one that yep. would, you know, play cricket with me or whatever. But yeah. as the oldest, did you feel a responsibility to protect the youngest ones? Um, yeah, to an extent, I, th- I think. Uh, Myself and the second oldest brother, Alex, we yeah. were pro- we were probably closest growing up. Um, and Cameron was third, and he sort of, when I got a bit older and was into sort of, you know, big kid school, and you know, I was doing a lot of study and those yeah. kind of things. Like he was, he probably took the youngest three under his wing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, it did get to the point where, um, you know. I was going for my license. I was going for my P's, and Mum and Dad were like, "Come on, yeah. like you got to, you got to get this done because we need another person of to course. like shuttle everyone yeah. around." Or like we played a lot of um, we played a lot of sport growing up. Yeah, uh, you know, particularly me, but all of my other brothers were playing. You know, basketball up and down the coast, the intertown or stuff. Yeah, I played intertown as well. Yes. Yeah. Um, so. I ended up doing a lot of that sort of. You know, I'd do the school drop-offs in the morning yeah. in our in our big Tarago. Like <laughs> that's that's how I see because I've got two kids and like we weren't going to have a third, but then I hear people with like they go for the third and then it's twins and it's like that changes your whole life because you're like we we need to buy another car, we need to buy a van. Yeah, like, yeah. No, we had the van. Yeah, we had a we had a Nissan Nomad. That was our um, that was our car for there there for a few years and yeah. then I think that one carked it. Yeah. Um, and then yeah. We had the Tarago after that. Yeah. It was yeah, we just piled everyone in. Like it was it was a full house. How many kids do you have? Uh two. You got two kids and your partner came from just a family of two. Yes. Did did you um, you don't have to answer this, you don't, but was there pressure from your family to have more than just two kids? <laughs> no. No, okay. No, there wasn't. Um I think it was very much yeah, Hester and I having that discussion. I remember we both of us wanted kids and we wanted kids reasonably young. Yeah. 
Um, and that was probably more me actually um, than than Hess. I just like I grew up around kids, and I, I love I love kids and little babies, and yep. you know that's I feel really in my element in that space. Um, I think just having grown up around them, yeah, that, that was what I was used to. So yeah, Hester and I, when when we were sort of planning kids, we were like, yeah, we'll definitely have you know three or four kids. Yeah. Um, and I remember we had the first kid, and then after a bit, we we're probably like, ah, oh, you know, maybe we'll have two or three. Yeah. Then, then we had the second kid, and we we're <laughs> like, two, it's Done. two. Yeah. <laughs> we're the same. We're like, oh, these two are perfect. We don't need any more. Yeah. Uh, so your extended family as well. So your uncle played. AFL football, VFL, AFL, mm-hmm. uh, and your grandfather was the was the president of Glenorchy Football Club. Uh, wasn't president, oh, okay. but um, yeah, he he played at Hall of Famer, yeah, um, Tasmanian Football Hall of Fame, yeah. So footy was in the family, yeah. Um, that was mum's side of the family. Uh, dad's side was very different. They grew up in uh, dad grew up in Scottsdale, yep. um, on a farm. And his parents weren't big on sport. Like uh, he's told me a story about like he used to love basketball. Like, um, but he his parents didn't like the idea of him going out and playing sport because it was you know he needed to be on the farm. Yeah. Um, you know, so when he wanted to uh, play basketball, like he had, they said, "Well, you can play basketball. You got to fashion your ring for yourself." So like he got like an old piece of iron and like bent it himself, and then like. Um, bolted it to the side of a shed, yeah, and that was how he, you know, made his basketball ring up. But we, we used to get like coat hangers, the wire <laughs> coat hangers, and just do that for the for the back of the door, and just try and sticky tape it as we could, just so yeah. we could, yeah. me and my brothers could dunk. Um, uh, so, all right, so your mum's side were in sports. So, did your parents ever? And I've only just realised this because my kids are playing sport as well. Did they ever complain about driving you guys to weekend sport or trainings? No. Isn't that incredible? Like, Because uh, I, I drive my kids. I, I coach my kids' basketball teams. But it is such a – like my weekends now are just running them around to like basketball games. Yeah. And Wednesdays I have to have off so like I can coach their teams. And we've probably got this ahead of us um, with our own kids and we started to sort of plan in. It's like you plan your week and you're like, wow. Yeah. There's actually not enough time in the week for all of these things no. that Isla wants to do. She's only five, so yeah. I can only imagine when she's ten or twelve. I can't, um, so with six kids, six boys, all did you all play weekend sport? Yeah, pretty much all of us. Yeah, um, yeah, it was amazing um, how they did it. I think even harder for, <laughs> particularly my dad was. I remember when I was on my learners, and my dad would like sit there while we drove. Um, you know, 80 k's an hour yep. all out the coast to go to these basketball games and dad would be sitting there in the passenger seat. That would have been harder than yeah. <laughs> doing the driving himself, I reckon. But, yeah, no, we never never a complaint. Um, my parents absolutely did everything they could to give us opportunities. When you talk about the four burners theory for my parents, yeah, it was like they've only just retired now, but when we were growing up, I don't think I realised at the time, but they, I mean, the friends burner just was completely yeah. switched off pretty much there. Yeah. Like they just went, we're going to give everything to family, even, you know, to the detriment of their health sometimes. Um, yeah, it was like everything we can to provide for yeah. the kids and give them the opportunities that, um, you know, to thrive. So, 
Yeah, and I see it in a very different light now being yeah. a parent myself. What work did your parents do? So dad is an industrial chemist, worked in the paper industry. So he basically, yeah, so he was mi- mixing the chemicals to create different glosses of paper. And oh, so did he work for like the pulp mill in yeah. Germany? Yep. Yep. Uh, so in Wesley Vale it was yep, okay. at the time. Um, yeah, but did some work in Bernie as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, that shut down um, about 2010 yeah. and they moved to Hobart. So I've been in Hobart since. Oh, okay. Yeah, cool. Um, yeah. So uh, when when you all get together now, what kind of stuff happens? Um, what kind of stuff happens? Uh, we were just all together over Christmas, which was great, apart from uh, the youngest, Luke's um, over in Nebraska now playing basketball. Oh, cool. Um, so, yeah, he's really enjoying that, although he did send through a, a little um, photo of the uh, – a screenshot of the weather there the other oh, day yeah. and it was about – I think it was minus 21 with a wind chill of minus 40. Did you watch the NFL game of the Kansas City Chiefs? I didn't, know. So the uh, – it was, it was, I think it was minus 20 on, on the field and the coach of the Kansas City Chiefs had icicles in his mustache. <laughs> like it's – That was – yeah. That is it. Like having played – look. I'm sure you've played so many games of football in cold conditions. And I remember playing in like down in Queenstown on the gravel oh, yeah. as a kid mm-hmm. and thinking it can't get colder than this. <laughs> Minus 20 though is like you just call it off. Yeah. Or, or build a stadium with a roof. Yeah. Like I, I they've think got so. so much money <laughs> in that, yeah. Uh, so um, from being a parent, what have you realised about your own parents? Have you realised anything about your own parents once you became a parent? Um. Good question. I th- I think what I what I said before about the amount that they gave to us, um, probably to their own detriment. But I, I suppose this comes back to I was, I was thinking about um, the concept of the four burners. Um, you know, when you sent through, um, you know, would you like to come on this podcast? I was interested, so I did some reading on it. Um, and I think the concept is. You know, you have to switch off one to be successful and two yeah. to be ultra successful. And I think what that comes back to is what you define as success. I think my parents would say that they've had an incredibly successful and, um, you know, full life. Yeah. And that for them probably looks a bit different to how it looks to other people. I'm speaking for them now, but I think, you know, the giving – their kids opportunities to thrive and play sport and all these kind of things growing up and to live happy, healthy lives. Um, you know, I think they would define that as successful. Yeah. And perhaps the, you know, the fact that they had to, you know, perhaps not put as much into friendships and, um, you know, like I said, at times their health, for example. Um, yeah. Yeah. That they would they would probably define that as success, but I yeah. don't think they would necessarily feel like they missed out either. Yeah, when I when my young my eldest was really young, like two years old, there was a lot of construction on the street, and he used to love going down and seeing all the diggers and all that kind of stuff. And it was just like just dirt, really, and it was raining, and so he loved playing in the mud. And so I just would go down there and let him play in the mud. And then this old woman who lived in one of the thing came out, and she goes, "Oh, you're a good dad." I'm like, oh, I'm just letting him play in the mud. And it's not that good. He goes, no, 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 you, you're there, you're present, you're a good dad. And then I just started talking to her and she said, because she's had like grandkids now, she goes, all you want for your kids, when she goes, when you're at my age, all you want for your kids is them to be 
happy in, in a job they're doing, a couple of friends and someone, a, a partner who loves them. If you've done that as a parent, you're a success. Mm. And it's re- that's really stuck with you. It's like that's, you can have all these like lofty ambitions for your kids and all, but when it comes down, as long as they're, they're happy doing what they're doing, they've got some friends they can like talk to and someone else, a partner that actually loves them, not just a partner, like, you know, uh, then you can go, oh, yeah, that's, I can say, oh, I've done my role. Like this is what, you, yeah, you've provided everything you can and then, yeah, as long as, the, yeah, anyway, I still always remember that. All right, family, we'll tick that one off. Okay, so uh, health, friends, career, what do you want to talk about next? Um, it's an interesting one for me in that, I think career and health are actually quite intermingled. Yeah. All right, let's talk career then. Okay, so AFL footballer, uh, was that always the dream? Uh, I I always, when I was growing up, would have loved to play elite sport, yep. elite level sport. That was what I always wanted to do. I loved loved sport of all kinds. I played basketball and football yep. and cricket and tennis and anything I'd get my hands on. So you play um, basketball. Why don't the commentators always say, oh, from a basketball background, like Pendlebury? Like- <laughs> I don't think I was quite to the level of Scott Pendlebury, which is, you know, probably why that doesn't get raised. Um, yeah, I, I didn't think I would ever get to that level. I really yeah. loved sport, but I just thought that it would be out of reach, you know, a kid from Devonport growing up. Well, Brady Rawlings, uh, similar, he was also from Devonport, played at North Melbourne, mm-hmm. Uh was a very good basketball player because we we're the same age, so mm. I used to play against Brady a lot, um, and we also played football against each other. And but he, I thought he was a better basketballer than footballer. <laughs> um, and then he went on to have like a, an amazing career, two hundred games, like yeah, champion. Uh, but um, yeah, so were you always the best player growing up? Certainly not. No, yeah. um, I remember the there were a couple of kids. Uh, you know, sort of playing grade eight and grade nine at Smerenshaw College in Devonport. Um, that was where I played footy up until grade 10. I didn't even go to a football club. Same school as, 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 uh, as uh, yes, the Rawlings is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I wasn't by any stretch. Um, I think I was always reasonably coordinated and played in the ruck. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I, I didn't really think that I was a, ever a chance to to step up to play AFL footy. I thought yeah. that was a far-fetched dream. It kind of was one of my teachers at school actually said like, oh, you know, you should actually go and try out for the Tassie Mariners, which is the um, under-18s, the under-18s team. team. You know, you should, go and, you should go and do that and sort of convince me to do it. Um, and, yeah, so I, I went and did that. Um yeah, I was lucky enough to get selected in the squad and I thought, oh, that's great, yep. you know, awesome. And I remember I, we had a couple of trial games against uh, against TAC Cup teams it was back then. Um, and I remember I, the, I just got swung forward like out of the ruck. You know, you play ruck and then you go rest forward. Yep. And this first game I kicked two goals in the first 15 minutes and then I hurt my wrist and had to go off the ground and then played the next week. Um, and because I had a bit of a sore wrist, they're like, oh, we won't play in the ruck because that's going to be a bit hard on your wrist, so we'll play you forward. And I kicked four goals. Yeah. Um, and so suddenly they're like, oh, we might just play you forward. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember I went to the championships where you play against Northern Territory and all the other states. Um, and I kicked a couple of goals in the first game, kicked a couple of goals in the second game. And suddenly like, you know, like the 17-year-old I was, I'd go on the big footy forums and like yeah. I start to see my name popping up. It's like, oh, you know, draft chance. Uh, 
it went from being like within the space of about four weeks, like this is like a pipe dream, never going to happen, to yep. suddenly like that there was like a fire ignited. Yep. Um, and I think once that fire started to burn, it was like I need to make this happen. Yep. So what's the avenue after that? So you you play in the Mariners and then do you put yourself in the draft or do you have to be nominated to go in the draft? Uh, so you have to nominate yourself. Yep. But it was, I mean, it was a roller coaster for me because, I, like I said, in that four weeks I went from being like pipe dream to, yep. oh, I'm a chance here. And then about two weeks later I did my ACL. Yeah. Um, I had a teammate, uh, Jimmy Webster actually, he's now at St Kilda. Okay. Um, good fella. Yeah. <laughs> I can't even feel, <laughs> I can't even feel like, oh, this. Um, yeah, he, um, so I did my ACL uh, and then it was like, it was almost like I'd come crashing back down. It was like, oh, I've got a chance. Like within, this is within a month, yeah. all of this happened. Oh, I'm a chance. No, actually, I'm not anymore. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it, it took me – it was my fourth draft by the time I got um, picked up by North Melbourne and I needed to move to play in, play for Werribee in yeah. the VFL to sort of earn myself a chance. So, yeah, it, it sort of took time. So once so once the ACL happens, it's like, what, six, nine months before you can even get on a footy field again or is it – Yeah, yeah. It was – well, usually it's 12-plus months now. Yeah. I think I, I really wanted to get back to play in the championships the following year. Yeah. Um, so I got back in eight and a half months, which I, I'm amazed I didn't re-injure myself. Yeah. Um, and it's all fine now? It hasn't been? <laughs> well, uh, I mean, this this is where career and health yeah. collide for me because I've had eight knee surgeries over my career. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, it's something that I've got to be sort of on constant watch for now. Yeah. Like it's – yeah, and that's all from that initial injury. So at seventeen, so you you finishing year twelve, then you go into you did uni, you did a, is it philosophy? Uh, yeah, I did. I did a journalism degree. Yeah. Okay. Um. So at that point, I was like, well, if I can't play sport, I'll write about it. Yeah. Um. So yeah, did a journalism degree. Uh, moved to Victoria. Yeah. Um. Because I thought that would be my best chance to have a crack at. Yeah. Or one last crack probably at yeah. getting an AFL spot. Um, did that and, yeah, was very fortunate in where I landed at North Melbourne at the time. Um, you know, put my head down and worked hard, but I think, uh, you know, we had Brad Scott as a coach then um, and he really, uh, yeah, had belief in my ability where other coaches probably wouldn't. Yeah. Gave me opportunities. Um, and a lot of things sort of fell into place at the right time yep. um, to sort of, yeah, propel my career forward a little bit. Yeah. So when you starting out, did you have like a five-year plan, 10-year plan, 15-year plan? Not really. I just wanted to play a yep. game. Yep. Um, that, that was my first thing was I'm just going to work hard, work as hard as I can, and then I, I just want to play a game of AFL football. Like that yeah. would be the most amazing thing ever. Um, and, yeah, I remember my first year we – I had a good preseason and then I injured my knee at the end of the preseason, needed surgery. So I came back about halfway through the year, played a few games in the VFL and um, had Robbie Tarrant at the time was playing forward for us and um, fractured his leg playing a game. Yeah. So – uh, yeah, got called into my first game 
midway through my first season, which was like yeah. super, super quick, really. Um, and my ninth game of AFL footy ever, we played in a final at the MCG against Essendon in front of 82,000 people. So what, it was like- What year was that? It was 2014. Oh, was that that was the comeback? That, that was, was the, the that was the, the uh, Petri doing this, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was uh, it was Frank the Tank. I remember that game because I, I had a gig that night in Sydney, and so I looked at the score on my phone, and we were down by like we you guys were down <laughs> by heaps in the like second quarter. Mm. And I was like, I was going to go to the pub and watch it, and I said, like, oh, I can't do this. I'm just, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to do this rule. So I went home. I got a taxi back to the hotel. It was like twenty minutes away from where I was playing, and I was just watching the score like tick up on the app to go, oh, this is fantastic. And then I rushed into the hotel, watched the last quarter and was jumping on on my bed with no one there, just going, this is the best game ever. But, uh, yeah, that was a fantastic game. Hey, when you play in front of 82,000 people, do – because comedians always look at the audience beforehand going, oh, this is a big big crowd tonight. Do AFL players do that? Do they look in, in around this and go, oh, it's a lot of people here? I've definitely done that before. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when we were – this is fast forward to 2021, we're playing in the – Grand final yep. at Optus Stadium in Perth um, for the D's. Yeah, I definitely made sure that I actually like we we're doing our warm ups, and there's kind of like the stage is being set up all around us. Yep. So it's like it's a weird warm up space because usually you sort of run around the field, yep. you can go wherever you want. But um, grand final day, there's entertainment. So uh, yeah, running through those, and I just kind of I just sat down for a minute and just like looked around and took it all in. Yeah. I'm like, I might never ever get to this situation again. Um, and, and especially now, you know, I'm 31 uh, and which in football terms is starting to get geriatric. Um, that's, that's, yeah. It's so <laughs> people weird. think yeah. that's bizarre when I say that. But, um, yeah, you're, you're a rare player if you get sort of beyond 32 or 33. Uh, but, yeah, it's probably really in my mind now. And, and I did it last year as well, um, you know, just took it all in because yeah. it, it is an experience that, you know, once it's, once it's gone, you, just can't, you can't just plant yourself in front of 80,000 people again and yeah. who, are all, who are all like trying to get you to, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's specifically they're watching you. It's, it's, really, it's really cool. Yeah. Is there something that you think the public – should know about AFL footballers and and the career of an AFL footballer that they just don't understand. Um, probably. Oh, I mean, a few things that. Probably the the number one thing is that we don't just like live under the stadium and get like uh, sometimes I think people think that we just we- like get wheeled out on trolleys for the game and then just like placed there and they like switch us on and like kids then we with go, teachers. Yeah. Oh, the teachers of the school, surely, yeah. Um. Yeah, I think, yeah, we there is a lot of work that goes into it, and I, and I think when you look at the four burners theory, like it does, it does drain a lot out of other parts of your life. Yeah, and you can try to mitigate that as much as you can, um, which I think I try and do. But yeah, it it there are other parts of your life that probably. Yeah. suffer as a result um in in a way that like uh, I, i'm sure um you know being like you're in the entertainment industry as well yeah. there are certain elements of being in the entertainment industry that are just going to be different to a, a normal job yeah. in in quotation marks well yeah I, I find when i first start it was very hard to 
like log out of it kind of thing. Like I was always mm. thinking about it, always thinking about comedy, always thinking about, oh, how do I write a joke? Or this could, could this story be, this? And, and it's very hard to switch off. Do AFL players find that as well? Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, that, that carries through to your, your partner as well. So yeah, Hess, uh, I was talking to Hess about this the other day. She said like, I am always thinking about the food that you are going to eat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, you know, to and sometimes to her detriment as well. She's yeah. like, I need to make sure that Ben gets enough food yeah. right now. So like she will plan bits of her life around she'll make decisions based on the fact that I need to get a certain amount of food. Yeah. <laughs> Which is just like you wouldn't normally have to think about that in another job. Like No. Yeah. Also with having a young family as well, it must be like, well, I've got to get a good night's sleep because I've got a game tomorrow. That must be really tough on your partner as well. Is is there what's what's the trick there? Do you Yeah, and I, I think that's where there's a bit of um you need to come together a bit, I think. And Hester is as supportive as a partner as anyone could have um in this space, but I am conscious as well of wanting to make sure that I am supportive of her too because, yeah. uh, you know, being a being a parent and being the number one parent is a tougher job than being a f- footballer. Yeah. And it's more important than being a footballer too really when it yeah. comes down to it. So I want to make sure that um, you know, I give her the opportunity to do the best job at her job as well. Yeah. Um, and, sh- and she's got – she's a marriage celebrant as well so she's, um, you know – She's got her own job to do besides being a primary carer for yep. children. So, um, you know, there have been times like when, when either our oldest was um, a baby, there were times where she was up screaming during the night, Yeah. Um, the night before a game. It's like for me we needed to share that responsibility. Like I can't just check out yep. in, in that scenario and – I, I don't know. Some people might argue that that takes away from your ability to um, do the best job of your career. But I think, like, for me, being, like, yeah, we, we sort of do our best to share that load. Yeah. And I'm not saying that, uh, you know, I talked to Hester about this the other day actually because I was mentioning the podcast. And I said, oh, you know, I, I feel like I do a pretty reasonable job of, like, being able to balance like career and family yep. and she goes oh really <laughs> uh have you considered you know that you know you just like because the, the thing about 40 is it's it's a really um the schedule's really stuck in place yep. like you can't and and it changes constantly like um jumping around a bit but my, my um soon-to-be brother-in-law was asking me about like uh, a date for his bucks yep he just wants to like go out for a nice brunch and then like chill at chill at a house. Yeah. Like there's nothing nothing major. He's like, can you just find like a weekend date that works for that? And I looked ahead at the year and I'm going between AFL games, VFL games um, and other commitments. I, I couldn't find a weekend date yeah. for basically six months that I could lock in and say, yep, I will be able to be there on this Saturday. Yeah, which I mean you're – in your thirties now, but for a guy in their twenties, early twenties, that must be really tough. Like, and we have a, like, there's always reports on, you know, 
young AFL players getting themselves in trouble for wanting to live a life like a normal 22-year-old. And it is, it must be so hard to go see all your mates doing this and you're dedicated to this in your career and it's that thing of like one slip up and it's it can be all over the news and it must be, yeah, that, that kind of discipline to be able to go, no, I, I just need to concentrate on this and turn off these friends burners or whatever it is because the goal is, all right, I wanna, I've dreamt of this as a kid, now I'm here and, it mu- yeah, it must be so hard. Yeah, it's just finding ways that work for you and I think coming back to the relationship between me and Hess, I think communication has always been the key yeah. to that. I think if um, if I was making decisions alone that affected her and the whole family um, without clear communication and discussion, that's when things start to get frayed. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I was reading another um, – I was – trying to find this actually because I heard the analogy a few years ago um, and I can't remember the man who talked about this, but he he said that he broke up his life into rubber balls and glass balls. I'm not sure if you've heard this one. Um, And work specifically is a rubber ball. Like if you drop work, it will bounce back up and you can start juggling it again. Whereas if you drop your family or you drop your health – they're glass balls. Yeah. So you drop those, they either crack or they shatter. Yeah. They're not going to come back. So, and you can break that up further into, you know, each day has a whole heap of glass balls and rubber balls that you're trying to keep in the air. Yeah. And which ones are the rubber balls and which ones are the glass balls? And I think you've got to keep that. I, I, I like to think of that analogy in my own life too. Yeah. What are the rubber balls? What can I drop here that yep. is going to bounce back up and I'll be able to pick pick up again and start juggling again? And which stuff is the glass? And I think when you're in a relationship um, and you've got a family, particularly when you've got young kids because your time gets constrained, you've, you don't have time for these discussions quite as much. You don't have um, as much, yeah, just you time. Yeah. Um, the importance of having these discussions and clarity of communication becomes even more important to make sure that you don't inadvertently drop a glass ball. Yeah. That's great. Love that. Um, all right. Career, we'll put that aside. Uh, health or friends, which one do you want to do now? Uh, let's go health. Health. Okay. So you're saying it's intrinsic with your career. Uh, are you healthy right now? Uh, yes, I would say I am. So, it was, so you said eight knee surgeries? Yes. When was the first one? Uh, that was when I did my ACL and my, and my medial ligament at the yeah. same time um, when I was 17. Yeah. When you were coming back from that injury, how, how scary is it to go like 100%? Is that in your head or you just go, I can't think about this? Um, well, it was probably helpful that I was 17, 18 years old at the time. So yeah. I probably – I was in a mindset like I've got to get back and play – um, I remember the first game back, um, you know, the first jump from Mark and land. It was yeah. like that was an important moment. I was yeah. like, you know, this could go either way. I landed. I was like, am I okay? Yeah, I'm okay. Yeah. And then I was kind of away from there. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's pr- it's probably changed as I've gone on because, uh, you know, had a few years there where 
I didn't really hear much out of particularly my knee and I'll talk about my knee a bit because that one's been the most yeah. common um, ailment over the years for me uh, where, yeah, it didn't really flare up much. I didn't really have any issues from week to week. It was like a management thing but I it, I never really had to think about it. Yeah. In the back stages of my career, it's been more about um, and a fascinating part of, uh, you know, sport performance is in sort of pain management and how you get used to playing and training with pain or discomfort. Yeah. And that has become more um, prevalent, I suppose, towards the back end of my career is going, I'm probably going to have a certain amount of pain or discomfort that I'm having yeah. to deal with and how do I main- how do I maintain my performance to my bit to the best of my ability yeah. with that. So yeah, towards the back end of my career it's been more about that. Yeah. So working at a at a football club, how much is just planned for you? Like is like diet stuff, training, weights, is all that all just someone else looks at you, plans it for you? Uh a bunch of it is, yeah. Yeah. Um uh, but I think there's also elements of it that are personal choice. I mean, I'm vegan yep. and I'm also celiac. So <laughs> um, in that sense, like obviously being celiac is not a choice, but no. <laughs> uh, but, um, but being vegan is. Yep. And so the football club has been and both football clubs have been really supportive in working out how to go about that because that's more of a values thing than a performance thing for yep. me. Um, so... Yeah, in that sense, it's a in that sense, it's a choice. But yeah, when it comes to weights and physical body management, um, yeah, it is largely prescribed for you. But again, I think the further on I've gone in my career, the more input I've been able to give in that space. Yeah. Um, particularly when it comes to looking after my body, uh, I think you know the the physios and high performance staff are listening to me as much as I'm listening yep. to them about what I need. And also the game's kind of changed a bit in those 10 years as well in that you like you were a lot bulkier mm. and then you've like trimmed up. Mm. Was that the like coach's decision or do you go, I think I'd, I'd play better if I'm a bit lighter? Um, it's probably not so. Uh, like that's just something that probably has changed over time. I, again, like not real. Like uh, I've probably dropped maybe two kilos. Yep. Across that time, it's not a not a major, not a major change. Um, and for me, part of that is like being celiac as well. Um, and I've had other gut related issues for years. Yep. So trying to keep weight on has always been a bit of an issue for me. Um, but that's again that stuff that's like p- people just watching football on the weekend wouldn't have any idea about, um, you know, this particular person's gut issues. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that, where, where it's not like we're all like high functioning um, people. Like, yeah, we are to an extent, but also we've got health issues just like anyone else. Yeah. Um, so mental health is also a part of the health chat in this thing. Would you say your uh, mental health is good at the minute? Uh, yeah. Yep, I'd cool. say it is. Yeah. Uh, have you have any been a time where you noticed that your mental health is kind of dipping? Um, yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's a constant sort of 
up and down. Um, and football, I think, has the ability to make that roller coaster feel um, a bit more giddy. So yeah. you feel a bit more giddy on that football roller coaster. That's been something I've had to work on over the years. Well, you mentioned um, earlier when you were 17, you're looking at the big footy forums. <laughs> Is that because you hear a lot of athletes like they're constantly on their phones checking what people are saying, checking what journalists are saying like that. Is that something that you really have to go, this is not going to be helpful? I had to cut that off. Yeah. Um, And, you know, for example, my wife goes through like my Instagram message requests now because (laughs) you just get particularly people like that you have lost their multis. Yeah. (laughs) Like, yeah. I'll just get message after message saying, you didn't kick a goal, mate. Yeah. Um, you've cost me so much money. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I'm just playing sport. Like, yeah. don't put that on me. I, I, um, yeah, I don't but, gamble, and it is the thing I I really dislike with all professional sport now. That just the constant gambling ads and watching, trying to watch anything with my kids, and it's like constant gambling. And mm. even though they have the thing, oh, the little thing at the end of it saying, oh, you'll lose money, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> the kids are like, because they look at the odds. Oh, we won't win because the odds. I'm like, that's not, doesn't matter. Like just, just watch. And so um, my kids aren't into football. They like basketball and one of them likes NFL. So it's that mm. thing of just trying to get them to, so it's always on KO. Yep. And KO, the ads are either gambling ads or uh, UFC ads. And I just, I just can't handle it with uh, my kids at 12 and nine. It's like, mm. it's too much, too much for them to watch. So it is that kind of annoying thing that, I can't like we go to sometimes go to uh, the Coburg games, like the Coburg Lions games, mm. and it's fun for them because like they can go for a kick on the and halftime yep. and stuff like that. But it's yeah, trying to get them into sport without them being exposed to so much gambling is really hard. Yeah, I'm just take that. Um, all right, cool. But uh, in ter- but in terms of mental health, um, I think my my body and my physical health has had an impact on my mental health yep. at times in in a football sense and um yeah i i actually notice when and and i think i've got better at this over the years but it would be if my knee was a bit sore suddenly i was all over the place yeah in my home life well yeah well because you know i'm thinking about it constantly and i'm going i've i've got to get this right because i've got to play on the weekend if i don't play on the weekend then i might get dropped and if i get dropped then the world's going to end. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And that's that's not actually the case, but that's the kind of thinking that goes through your head. And there must be so many people in the team with that as well. Do you guys talk about that kind of stuff? Um, probably probably not so much. With with a couple of my closer mates in yeah. football circles, yes. Um, yeah. In, it's, it's interesting being in a team of like a squad of 45, 46 guys. Yeah. Um, you know, there's things that you talk about and things you don't talk about just yeah. in general conversation at the football club and that's probably one of those things that maybe gets glossed over. Is, is it hard that there's 45 people going for 22 spots yeah. and you're all a team but also you're like I – mean, we always see in pre-season, oh, there's some a fight between teammates <laughs> and that happens in every club. It's just unfortunate sometimes they get filmed by the news and they play. Oh. But it, it must be that stress of going, well, I want us all to do well because I want us to be a good team but also – I don't want this person taking my spot. Mm. So when someone comes to the club, like, so you traded to a club forward line. Was there any kind of animosity between you and the other forward players? <laughs> you don't have to say names. Or no, anything, no. Just- oh, well, the, you just know that there's that competition going on. Yeah. Um, but I think, 
like there's this sort of undertone of, you know, your mates with your teammates. Yeah. Um, and I think that is like so, some some guys live with each other and yeah. um, are really close with a whole bunch of football people. Uh, and I'm probably not necessarily so much in that boat. Um, but, yeah, there is this like there's just an understanding that that's part of part of the game yeah and you just support each other as best you can but often it can be difficult if you're the one taking someone else's spot yeah all right, all right. we'll stop there with health okay friends okay uh are you friends with people from your uh childhood still yeah yeah i've got uh, i actually caught up with one of them um over the over the christmas break um he's been living in south korea for the last three four years um, but yeah, we've stayed in touch over that time. And one, um, one other guy that I lived with for a bit when I first moved to Victoria, um, and yeah, we probably, I'm, I'm a big nerd and I love board games. Yep. So I've got a little board games group and those guys are part of that. What's your favorite um, game? Oh, is it Settlers so, of Catan? There's so many, <laughs> there's so many. I'm, I do love Settlers of Catan. But, uh, yeah, I, I could really go down that rabbit hole with you, but that's a whole other podcast, I think. That's all right. That's all right. I'll, I'll introduce you to my friend Tommy Dean who loves board games as well. Um, oh, a good one for the kids if they don't have it is um, oh, it's called Outfoxed. Have you yes, played that one? played it. It's good. Okay, yep. there you go. Uh, how did you make friends in school? Um, we – well, my probably my oldest friend. Um, well, so my, my mum and dad um, – where we were like church to Sunday, church every Sunday, um, people. Yep. So, mum in particular, um, Catholic, and was like she was the RE teacher at school, so like <laughs> couldn't escape. Yeah. Um, couldn't escape religion. Uh, so yeah, we actually met. Uh, I met Kevin there and his family, um, and there were also I'll get this right. They had six kids as well. So it was like we had six kids. They had six kids. Great. Um, yeah. So. We're sort of always family friends with them. Um, also, you didn't yeah. have to tell me you're Catholic. You're six kids. I knew. I knew. You were Catholic as well. <laughs> I think yeah, that <laughs> might be one of the ways that happened. Um, yeah, and one of my uh, my other good mates, um, he sort of moved to the primary school in grade two. I can't even remember yep. how we sort of uh, hooked, hooked in, but yeah. He sort of joined our little group. We had our little group of friends. We were probably we we're a group of misfits, I would say. Yep. Um. Yeah. Uh. We we definitely weren't. I wasn't mates with all the sporty people. Um. Yeah. We were definitely we were definitely the misfits. Yep. Um. Growing up, and I I think. Uh, I definitely felt, at times growing up, like oh, I really wanted to be you know. Uh, you know, with the with the footy guys or with the more popular kids, and I, that wasn't me. But yeah, I think I look back at that now and go, yeah, that's exactly that's exactly me. Yeah, <laughs> as a as a person, so yeah. it fits in perfectly. Uh, do you set aside time for friends these days? Uh, yeah, I do, and and uh, board gaming is actually a big one for me. Yeah, um, I think it's a great um, outlet for me because I. Uh, get to do something I love and also yep. socialise at the same time. Yeah. Um, and I'm not so much like, a, you know, sit at the pub and have a drink and talk. Um, again, I 
I would say that I'm on the introverted side of the scale. Yeah. So something like that gives me an opportunity to, um, yeah, I suppose socialise light. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's funny because my friend Luke, uh, he and his brother meet up once a week online to play Call of Duty uh-huh. and he says we talk more during that game than we do if we're face-to-face mm. because you're like distracted. And they always say like men don't do well eye to eye. That's why stuff like fishing so good mm. because you get next to each other or going to the cricket for five days and you can sit next to each other and just watch the but then Yeah. But he was saying, yeah, if they meet up together, they don't speak like as openly as they do if they're playing Call of Duty and they've got their headsets on and just to each other. Yeah, so, and yeah. I, I reckon that's actually a, you know, I, I wish that I had, I suppose, been socialised in a way where I was more comfortable Yeah. Um, having open conversations. I actually feel like I... Um, I have great conversations with uh, female friends that I have or that I share with um, my wife. Um, and it's, yeah, it's just a lot more open. And yeah, yeah, I, I do. I do think that is something that's probably lacking in um, socialization of young men is that ability to have those open discussions. Um, yeah. Yeah. Cause I come from, Comics were so open. Sometimes you like just you need to close it a little bit, but it is that thing. Like so, you have our with my friends now. We're all like late thirties, early forties, and it's that thing of <clears throat> we've had these discussions that we're been really nice and open, but still at the end, because we, we're comics, we try and get a joke in. And it's like, yeah. and sometimes you can just, you, you're saying something and you go, I can tell you're thinking of a joke and you're biting your tongue. So it's yeah, it's very it's very. Have you had any uh, friend breakups where you've had to cut someone out of your life? Um, so I imagine not, once you get in the AFL, you have a lot of people from your past who you weren't even that close with kind of trying to message or free um, tickets yeah. kind of stuff. <laughs> you do get a few ticket requests. Yeah. Um, yeah. Something you just politely decline. Uh, no, I don't think I have really. Um, yeah, I've, I've met, I've been really fortunate, I think. Um, in that the friends that I've got, I, I really love. Yeah. Um, and I love the friendships that I have with different people for different reasons. Um, you know, like, for example, like the Kevin that I spoke about, my oldest friend, um, we're both not great at communicating. So we can go months and months without messaging each other. Yeah. Um, but we caught up and actually caught up with a bunch of his brothers and sisters over Christmas and they sort of came over. It was a bit like when we grew up um, yep. with our families and we like played a game in the evening and um, it was just like we were kids again yep. or like it was like nothing, no time had passed. Yeah. And I love those kind of friendships. I think they're the best ones yep. where you don't feel like you have to be constantly in touch with each other. Yep. That's that's yep. actually perfect for me um, because – yeah, I'm. I'm not. I'm not great at. Uh, I'm not. I'm not great at being. I. I get over stimulated and need a break from people sometimes. And like, so those kind of friendships are actually perfect for me. And I sometimes I feel like, oh, I wish I was more social. Like, you know, yeah. My wife's catching up with friends every week, and you know, messages people all the time on Instagram or, you know messaging people and I don't necessarily have that and sometimes I feel like oh, I just don't have these connections with people but I think my connections with people are actually right for the kind of person that I am yeah which is good 
Look, the old lady on my street, you, you've said you've got a couple of friends you love, a partner who you love, and you're doing a career. I think you're doing very well. Okay, so that is the end. Okay, so what we do now is we go through which ones you're keeping on and which ones you're going to turn off. So which ones we're keeping on? Um, family is number one. Family, full burner, great. Um, and I think like more recently and – Again, like I, I talk to my wife about all this stuff, so I feel like I bring her up a lot, but I, she's sort of essential to all the rest of it yep. working and I think vice versa. Um, I suppose like I was looking at these two and going like one other burner that kind of I would add in, I suppose, is like they're trying to be like a – good person and like a worldly person that gives back to the community. Yep. So I don't know if there's like a community burner or something that I would add, but like I feel a draw of that a lot. Yeah. Um, in that I want to, uh, I want to be giving of myself to the world in a greater sense than, um, you know, just focusing on myself, my family. And I feel that draw a lot. Yep. Um, but I think, you know, again, we talked about this over the Christmas period and just went like, what are the things that we actually really want to value? We really, if if we look back in 20 years time and our kids are, you know, 25 and 23, what would we have wanted to give to them? What would we have wanted to say, we did this really well. Yeah. And I think family is number one for that. We just, we want to give our kids opportunities. We want to say that we've given, given of ourselves wholly and fully to that. So... That's definitely number one. Um, I think um, in in saying that, I think career is the other one that like I need to put time into and that can take away from the family portion. That That's unavoidable yeah. in the career that I'm in is that, you know, I could be taken away to, um, you know, we've got, a, we've got two games back-to-back in Adelaide um, this year and we could I could be away for six days. Yeah. So like... I can't prioritise family in that time. Yeah. And if Hester has weddings that she has booked in, she, uh, we together, but she has got to organise, you know, how she's going to work in around the kids. Do, I, you, do I, you have like grandparents around? Uh, yeah, we do. Yeah. Um, and well, my parents are in Tassie. Um, Hester's parents are here yeah. and, and they're, they're fantastic. And um, Hester's sister and her partner are also great. Um. But yeah, we external help is important as well. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's those kind of situations where career just by default takes priority. Um, so I think, yeah, I, I I definitely want family to be number one, but at times career probably takes that over. Yeah. Um, and that's just the nature of being an athlete, I think. Um. I would like to, and health is probably like a part of career. Um, I, I, I get to like work out as a job. Yeah. So, in in one sense, I don't I don't have to make time outside of my career for going for a run or going to the gym because that is my job. Yeah. So, uh, yeah that that one <laughs> that one I think is on by default yep. as well. <laughs> well, yeah. With your career, you have to have your health on. Like, yes. So, yeah. 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 One of the days of plug a locket, like yeah, <laughs> weighing way too much. Yeah, and the the only one left there is friends. Um, I'd I'd like to think that I keep that on in my own way, and I suppose this is where I don't necessarily 
subscribe to the four burner theory necessarily. Well, the rubber ball theory, your friends can, especially that friend, you can have three years not tweaking and it bounces back up. Spot on. Yeah. And I think that's, yeah, for me that, that works really well. And I think, yeah, like I I like the idea of thinking in analogies like the four burners or the rubber balls. At the end of the day, what it comes back to, I think, is working out what your priorities are. And and also if you're in a relationship with someone or you have a family, knowing that you can't just make those decisions for yourself. It needs to be something that is communicated about. Um, You need to be on the same page. And sometimes you need to make sacrifices to make other things work. So, yeah, I, th- I think I'm probably switching some up and some down at different points. Yep. Um, well, and like I said to other guests, it, this is just for right now. Okay. Mm. In six months, it might change. Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah, it might be the friends one that's, that's off a little bit more. And I think that is, that's probably a bit of a constant. Yeah, for me, I think if I was putting um, as much time into my friendships as my family and career, the family and career would suffer too much. Yeah, so great. Hey, this has been a great chat. <laughs> I've really, really loved this. Thank you so much. Do you have anything you want to plug? So any, any like, oh, saying you really do a lot of stuff in the community. Is there anything there? Uh really good question. Um, look, if anyone's looking for a marriage celebrant, oh yeah. Um, my wife is at Hester Mary Marries. I saw she did so. had done a hundred mar- hundred marriages. Yes, a hundred weddings. We did you a make a banner for it to run through? <laughs> <laughs> I got her some balloons. Maybe I should nice. have made the. Maybe I should have made the banner. Made a banner. Um, yeah. So yeah, if anyone's looking for a marriage celebrant, you know where to go. Find her on Instagram. There you go. Okay. Thank you everyone for listening to this. Thank you Ben for doing this, and uh, we'll see you next week. No worries. Thanks, Cheers. Josh. Thanks.